This is The Long Road to Ruin, and I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. It's All Hallows Eve season, folks. Halloween season, which, if you were judging by uh, your local Walmart, it started back in August. But uh, let's, move, let's move on from that. Yes, it's, it's the season of all things scary. And here on The Long Road to Ruin, we like to tackle... The, uh, the horror franchises that have made us all squeal in fright and delight. However, we've already done Scream. We've done Nightmare on Elm Street. We've done Hellraiser. Like hell. What do you do? You wuss out of every horror franchise I want to do until you have to go on vacation. Oh, well, first of all, pipe down. Second of all, I, I did Scream and I did Paranormal Activities. And, yes, I pawned off Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser to you and... and uh, Winfrey, but they were done. Is my point. <laughs> so, <laughs> quiet you. And so, as we as yeah. we looked into, as we looked at this season, see what what could we review for Halloween uh, in 2015? What speaks to us? I said, fuck! I've never seen Jaws before. And there's a, and there's an, there's a likelihood that I'm not going to go to sleep at night, turn off the lights, check on my kids, make sure the door is locked, and be frightened that a shark was going to eat me. So, with that said, tonight's episode features uh, the first two ser- the first two in a series of four movies, uh, Jaws, which made everyone afraid to go back in the water. And here, of course, to talk about that with me is my co-host who uh, apparently couldn't wait for a proper introduction. Here he is, everyone, Sean Comer. Yeah, now I'm just thrilled when we finally get around to watching Mallrats and have a sense of context for some of these scenes. I did not realize how many how many phrases and uh, how many lines people have ripped off from this movie. Like, I got that we're going to need a bigger boat probably came from Jaws, but... I never really, I mean, there's, I'm watching the original here, and I was like, wow, like every movie copies this one or, uh, you know, references this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's got an important place in cinematic history. It, it broke a lot of ground, kind of for better, and as we'll find out two weeks from now, for worse. Well, one of the reasons why, uh, in doing some research on these movies, I mean, like I said, initially I was just looking for a horror movie that wouldn't give me uh, nightmares. And and in case you're in, in case you've got money on this, folks, I'm okay with Jaws. I watched the first two, no nightmares. So there we are. Um, apparently, I'm not afraid of sharks, so that's good. But yeah, I I, I didn't realize that Jaws was responsible for the modern day uh, summer blockbuster. But basically, we went from making good films to <laughs> to the studio looking at what happened with Jaws and going, more of that, please. And now we have, uh, you know, Marvel Studios owned by Disney making uh, ha- having a slate of pictures set all the way to 2020. Well, what it is, it's it's basically the movie that saved Hollywood. Yeah. Um, yeah, because. I mean, Prior to that, Hollywood was going through years of slumping sales. It's not that nobody was making any great movies. If if you go back through the annals of film history that led up to it, no, there were plenty of good movies being made. There was just nothing being made that was doing very well 
at the box office. Everything was tanking. And it's telling that Jaws, the original, after it came out, was, for a brief time, the highest-grossing film of all time, right up until a certain juggernaut in a galaxy far, far away came along and unseated it. Um, Which is funny, because right there, you've got Steven Spielberg coming along and doing something incredible, um, something that revolutionized the entire film industry, and then you've got his buddy George Lucas coming along right after him and topping it. Um, Spielberg makes Jaws 2, and for a time, that was the highest-grossing sequel of all time. Until Empire Strikes Back came along, and it knocked that off its pedestal. Uh, those two have just been neck-and-neck. Since even since before they ever made Raiders together. Yes, they have. Um, it's funny, uh, you know. I look at, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of film in the '70s, and I've often said this: that they really don't make movies like this anymore, or when they do, it's it's, it's very rare. You know, they used to be a style of filmmaking that really made you have to, you know, sit and think and watch and pay attention. And it, it's funny because as much as, you know, there are, I know people who um, who get aggravated by the summer blockbuster, you know, they'll sit there and they'll complain, you know, The Avengers wasn't a good movie. Comic book movies are not good movies as such, you know, compared to, let's say, like The Deer Hunter or Deliverance or something, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, um, just to name some off the top of my head that were big in the 70s. Um and it's like, you know, I mean, you think about, like, what, what was the biggest, the, the two biggest movies of 2015 so far, Fast and the Furious 7, which was uh, a, you know, a heist movie with cars, and Jurassic World, which is the fourth in a series of movies about dinosaurs running around, you know, eating people. So, it, it, you know, so I get the frustration with modern movies. Um, but on the other hand... When you when you know when you look at if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you read like the the the, uh, the fan reviews or or you know the, the non-critic reviews, I mean people like what they like, you know. Uh, I, over a billion people can't be wrong. Jurassic World. They thought Jurassic World was the greatest movie ever, but people who study film watched that and was like, "This is shit. <laughs> Nonsense. You know, this isn't even good movie making." So that's where we are now, and it started with Jaws. So uh, Jaws is an adaptation of a novel, and essentially it's uh, it's the tale of a uh, sleepy little island uh, island community that uh, makes its business on summer tourism, and a shark invades the waters and starts eating people, and there's a big uh, there's an attempt at a cover up to try to uh, hide the fact that a shark attacked people, and then when that doesn't work, they try to, you know, quickly deal with the situation and put it away so that they can save the summer tourism. And when that doesn't work, they go off and search for for uh, the shark, and that leads us to our third act in which uh, they, they, they try and fail, try and fail, and barely succeed in killing said shark. It's a fairly straightforward narrative, but it's probably one of the more interesting movies I've seen in my lifetime. I really enjoyed the internal politics of this thing because 
you know, it's when I think about all the movies that have like, you know, the evil businessman or you know, the evil politician, yeah, they they always make him so you know, mustache twirly. And the uh the character uh the, um who's played by Murray Hamilton, I believe, he uh he's not so mustache twirly as such as you know, he's looking at the bottom line and trying to, you know, he's like trying to save this community without realizing how much danger he's putting them in. And then when he, when it finally, when he does finally, uh, when when that becomes apparent, you know, it, it has an effect on him, um, which is something you don't see in a lot of movies. They usually will, you know, will fight the thing to the bitter end. I mean, you have that, you have that sort of thing like an Independence Day, where you know, well, let's more nukes is the answer. Well, that's not worked. Out, that hasn't worked yet. More nukes is the answer, kind of a thing. So. Uh, but Sean, give us the short and fast history of Jaws. What 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 should the people know? What do you want to tell them? Jaws might also, in addition to being one of the biggest Hollywood blockbusters of all time, the movie that birthed the sequel, the movie that birthed the concept of the franchise, also happens to be one of Hollywood's most troubled productions. In fact, the whole process of making it was so arduous that Steven Spielberg adamantly refused to come back to direct Jaws 2. He did brief, he did briefly reconsider at one point when that move, when even that movie was in danger of possibly not being finished due to uh, production delays, difficulties, and expenses. But he then got hold of his senses and decided, oh, wait, there's the nope train. I'm going to jump right back on that and just ride that right the fuck out of town. The movie came about because came about because and I'm gonna flip through my through my notes here. Um, producer David Brown had it recommended to recommended to him by his then wife Helen Gurley Brown, who was at that time the editor of Cosmopolitan and had read an had read an advanced copy. She made it she wrote a little note in the book that said, might make a good movie. As a result, it said another first. It became one of the very first novels to be optioned into a movie before the novel was ever released. This will show you this was not a concept that Mark, that neither Mark Millar nor nor um, E.L. James invented. Um, there were a lot of rewrites that went into it, in some small part because Spielberg felt that Peter Benchley's original novel had no likable characters to it. Um, Generally speaking, making the film was an absolute physical rigor for Spielberg, who utterly hated being at sea. The the wonderful-looking prosthetic shark for the movie, Bruce, was one constant malfunction after another and and was seen as an endless headache for the crew just to keep working in the open water environment. Ultimately, what ended up, ultimately, the finished product kind of speaks for itself. Budget of $9 million made an absolutely insane $470.7 million following what was then an almost unheard of wide release of 450 screens nationwide, complete with massive widespread market marketing that absolutely plastered television spots and tie-in merchandise. Unfortunately, really interestingly, 
as I said, it's a movie that Spielberg decided that he wanted to distance himself from because ultimately he saw it as something that threatened to, well, pigeonhole him as a director. He really didn't want to just be seen as the guy, as the guy who did the shark movie. Um, so after this, he was really eager to move on and just do damn near anything else that he possibly could have. In fact, um, I'm going to look this up here. I seem to recall, I believe, he even had to be talked into doing this movie itself. Um, I'm trying to look up what exactly it was here in my notes that that he actually wanted to do instead of having a little bit a little bit of trouble finding here. Um, ah, <laughs> God damn it. I feel, ah, okay, here it is. Um, before production began, he didn't want to go, go on with it because he had also previously done the television mo- movie Duel. His preferred project instead was to work on a movie called Lucky Lady for 20th Century Fox. However, Universal had an armed twist in the form in the form of their right on, under their contract with Spielberg to veto his departure. They exercised it. Spielberg was talked into into seeing the project through. Basically, with Brown, te- with uh, one of the producers telling him at one point, quote, after Jaws, you can make all the films you want. Um, the film originally had an estimated budget of 3.5. $5 million and a 55-day shooting schedule with production that was set to begin in May 1974. However, Universal decided they wanted the movie to be great and fast, so they wanted the shoot to wrap up by the end of June when the, when the studio's contract with uh, the Screen Actors Guild was set to expire just so, so they could hedge their bets against a strike. And, well... The rest we'll talk about in a, in a moment. Although I would like to point out that this is what I consider one of only three truly great killer animal movies that didn't have to involve a wide range of supernatural fuckery. Should you be wondering what the other two are, and yes, I do indeed highly recommend them, obviously chances are if you're my age or Mark's, you've at least seen part of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, but... The other one, and this happens to be on Netflix, is a movie called The Ghost in the Darkness, starring Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas. It's based on the true story of the man-eating lions of Tosavo, a pair of a pair of male lions that absolutely terrorized the building of the building of a railroad and became so adept at picking off railroad workers that actually the local tribes did in fact believe that believe that the lions were supernatural beasts that were capable of nearly human intelligence. And on that note, Mark, let's talk about big sharks. Well, it's funny. I'll pick up uh, right where you left off there as far as, um, like I said, I didn't know. I knew, you know, essentially the, the basic plot of uh, Jaws was, you know, sharks killing people. But I didn't know if this was going to be some kind of crazy, like, I didn't know what kind of shark it was going to be or what the circumstances were, but basically it's just a great white shark that happens to wander into that particular area of Massachusetts. It it couldn't get any simpler, you know? 
And as far as yeah. explanations, it's kind of like shit happens, and it's like, how are you going to deal with it? Um, mm-hmm. But even but even with that, they still made the shark very menacing. You know, let's let, let's talk about. Now I went through the the, the plot line of this thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the building up of suspense and how the shark is handled, especially in contrast to the way a lot of a lot of movies are shot today. Um, I think. This one kind of this one gets it just right, while some movies like the uh, last year's Godzilla, um, I think, overdo it in the sense that they want to build up suspense, so they don't show you so show you the monster right away. Um, you know, with the first kill, it's you see flashes of something in the water, and then you see her pulled down, and she's just struggling, and then blood comes up. Okay. Um, and then, and then eventually you build and you build and build, and then you have that final sequence where the sharks just like mounting the boat, basically, <laughs> you know. And it, and when it eats Quint, that's really like one of the first times you see this thing full on. Um, and when it's uh, you know trying to eat Roy Schneider, um, you know you you get to see this thing in all of its glory. But it took an entire film to get there, which I like. Um, I like the fact that they, you know you could see just how devastatingly um, dangerous and violent this shark was without showing it, you know, without showing you the shark right at the beginning, which is something that they didn't do in two. Weirdly enough, like uh, like we'll talk about two in, in a couple of minutes, but uh, if I can just say for now, I was I was expecting more of that, but I guess I guess the sort of the idea was. Well, we've already got. We've already showed you the shark in the first movie, so let's not beat this to death. But here it is, yeah, shark. What you've all been waiting for? Well, I mean, one of the easiest things to like about Jaws is the fact that you really don't have to stretch to make a great white shark all that fearful. I mean, you're talking about a prehistoric predator that has barely evolved mostly because it has never had to. It is the it is pretty much the apex of apex predators. Uh there is nothing that threatens a damn great white shark. Um which like I said, it's one of the things that I like about this and the birds and the ghost in the darkness is you have so many movies that take so many liberties with trying to make already intimidating, scary things that that exist in nature intimidating. And they don't need the help. They just flat out don't. They're scary enough as they are. Uh, It's... And then that's and that's why so many of the of the man versus nature, man versus wild movies, uh, kind of end up just being flat out silly. I was talking about this with Robert Winfrey the other day uh, when I when I made this declaration on Facebook, and I said that the the other the only other two good movies I could think of where it was man versus animal, and again, uh, no no supernatural nonsense or anything were uh, the birds and the ghosts in the darkness. And he tried, and he asserted that Anaconda was kind of a guilty pleasure, and I, I agree with him on that. It's it's a good, dumb, fun movie. But at the same time, it's another one that tries too hard. 
Jaws really doesn't have to because it is so damn believable. Uh, because, you know, if, if you're in that situation, if you're a shark attack victim, that's basically about the way it is. You really don't need to actually see the shark. You need to see it from the point of view of the person the shark has realized is a snossage that screams. <laughs> um, you, know, you, you have to see it that way in that if you're out there just waiting around, just doggy paddling away, especially the kills that happen at night, uh, you know, you, you may not even look down and see the shark if it's coming up at you, up at you from above. That's what it's going to be like. You are just going to, you know, feel a little nibble, and then you are getting sucked right down, and you're done. Um, it's it's all the idea that you don't need to see uh, the shark at the shark at work. Well, like it's always said about horror movies, what you're imagining is going to be ten million times more scary than and and more raw and unsettling than anything you're going to see on the screen. No, absolutely. And, well, they said, you know, that that was one of the, the big marketing thing with Jaws is, um, you know, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water and all this stuff, because it really does play on your... Um, by the way, I'm going to break, break in with this. I just now got to see the cover photo for uh, uh, This Long Road to Ruin, Benjamin has outdone himself. <laughs> it's up on Facebook now. Um, I, I can't add it to the show, but it's on my Facebook page. It's now my, I, it's, it has replaced black and white Roddy Piper as my cover photo. <laughs> um, it, it's just awesome. Uh, and you like the Quint. I'm Quint. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm about to be you're eaten by a shark. Uh, you're getting eaten by a shark. Whatever you know, I'm. I'm if, okay. if, ben, if Ben sees me as Invader Zim fans out there, get the joke. <laughs> if Ben thinks I need to be eaten by a shark, then God bless him. He, you know, he must be true. He must be right. Um, in any case, so back to the back to the actual task at hand here. Um, yeah, it's uh, sometimes you know the, the the best thing about horror, if I do say so myself, is you know, tapping into those psychological fears, not necessarily going the Rob Zombie route and having to show you the grossest thing, you know, you've ever seen in your life. Um, mm-hmm. and, so that's, and that's one of the things I like about this movie is that it definitely, it, you know, it, they build up tension. It definitely makes you, um, you know, frightened to go into the water and, you know, face that sort of unknown, uh, unknown terror so you combine that with, as I said, the, as I said before, the internal politics of the of the movie. I really enjoyed that. You know, like I've been watching a lot of uh, police procedurals and police, you know, dramas um, uh, on uh, Amazon Prime, and you know, there's always there's always sort of an internal politics going on. There's sort of, sort of an argument among, you know, what's the right thing, what's the thing you have to do. Um, I was I've been watching the Glades recent, recently, and one of the things the boss tells the star detective is, you know, go easy. He's a friend of law enforcement. You know, that's, that's a line that gets repeated throughout the thing. Um, and so you have a situation here where, you know, the coroner, um, 
initially says it's a it's a shark attack, and then it's just you know, and then under pressure, it's like no, it was a boating accident, you know, and then they want to do an autopsy. It's like no, don't do an autopsy, you know, just let's just move along, you know. And it's not that he's like I said, he he's an evil mustachey, you know, um, Darth Vader kind of a villain. It's that he, you know, in the big picture of things, this you know, this this town has to survive, and if they shut the beach down. It's it, it's a term that I've kind of I've kind of realized as I've been rewatching uh, Arrow recently. Is it's not that it's not that the mayor and the coroner and everything it's not that they're bad people it's just that they really suck at being good people. It's um well it's hard you know as George Bush famously said George Dubia. Um Sometimes, you know, you're, you, when you're in a position of power, when you're in a position of leadership, maybe to everybody else the, the, uh, the decision looks easy. But, you know, I, I, like I think about our current president. Even when he does the right thing, there are people who, are, who aren't happy with him. Nothing he does will ever be right. <laughs> and, that, and that's not a commentary on Democrats or Republicans. That's just a commentary on the way things are. You know, you you get paid the big bucks to make the big boy decisions, and sometimes there is no right decision. There's just the least wrong. And so, you know, I, and so, so I'm sure there's somebody listening going, yeah, but wasn't the most obvious decision to shut down the beach until they had this thing caught so that you don't get any more people killed? In hindsight, sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. But I mean, not every, but not every politician is also a shark expert. And maybe the Richard Dreyfus character was full of shit. Who knew? That's what I thought. That was, you know. It was like they had to be like proven right before anyone would take it take it too seriously. Um, just a real quick thing on the performances, and then we can move on to uh, the music and then Jaws too. Uh, I, I really I don't have any I don't have a whole lot to say about them. Um, I thought Roy Schneider's performance as the uh, I, guess, I guess it's the sheriff. Um, sheriff Brody, yeah. Sheriff. Yeah, Sheriff Brody. Um, I I thought he I thought he was a very, a very balanced character. You know, he understood sort of the gravity of the situation without being so over dramatic about it. Um, I thought he played it well. Richard Dre- Richard Dreyfuss' character has got to be one of the one of the few like science guy who isn't a complete lunatic. <laughs> I actually oh, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a scene where 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 they're basically telling Richard Dreyfuss he's full of crap. And he's like, yeah, I don't need this. I have other things to do. You guys want to be eaten by sharks. God bless you. And then I think somebody yeah. says something else to him. And he's like, all right, I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> it starts to walk away. And Schneider's like, oh, come back. Maybe come back. It'll be different this time. You know, but I love that about him. You know, because normally they take that character and they, and they play it up for comedy. You know, they, they, they play it for a lot of laughs. They, you know, they, 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 they make it so that the reason why no one's listening to him because it sounds like a lunatic like Richard Dreyfuss' character was completely sober. Uh, he played mm-hmm. him very straight. He wasn't he wasn't a big weirdo. And you know the fact that like, nobody's listening to him, he was like, "Oh, fuck you, people! Then don't listen to me. I have other things to do. I know I'm right, and that's and I'm happy with that. You know, I'm not going to go swimming in this ocean. So fuck you." Oh, Which yeah, is un- yeah. I've, I've got a big boat that I am perfectly content to stay nice and happy and safe on. Right. Um, so I said Richard Dreyfuss's performance I thought was really stellar in this thing and the way that his character is written. Um, it's one of the few times I've seen that character written that way. It's one of the reasons why it jumped out at me. Um, 
Quinn's sort of weird delivery was the only thing I thought was odd about his character. Um, but he, you know, but besides that, for what it was supposed to be, it was played fine. You know, I don't know much about the actor, but um, it was Robert Shaw. Um, to be perfectly honest, what? Uh, well, the I, actor who played Quint. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's one of those movies where when you watch the whole thing. There are certain movies where one particular performance or a handful of performances or maybe just one particular aspect of it really stands out strongly to you as as being incredibly exceptional. The thing about Jaws is you really never find that one that, that one single thing except for the fact that it's extremely well shot. It builds suspense beautifully, um, it, and it keeps it tight as a drum, really, throughout the entire movie, right up through the climax. And But as for the performances, there's really anything bad you can say about them, but you can't really call them iconic. They just kind of come in and do their jobs, and they're they're really greater than the sum of their parts in terms of, especially when you think about the chemistry between Roy Scheider and Richard Dreyfuss. And I've never, I've never read the novel. I've never read Jaws. Um, all I really know of Peter Benchley is he's an author that kind of had sort of a thing for tales of giant, terrifying sea creatures. But as far as the acting goes... It's just kind of fine. It's really not what you watch the movie for. You really don't watch it for the individual human performances. You really are watching this one just to see the shark. Just to see the shark uh, just go to fucking town and chow down on people as as they ineptly kind of turn away from every right decision to do something about it. Uh, well, we can close the beach and that'll solve the problem. No, let's keep the beach open. Hey, look, we got... Hey, look, we got the shark. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. Okay, fine. The fuck ever. Yes, you did. Asshole. Um... Uh... You know, just, oh, let's offer a bounty for the shark. Don't do that. You're just going to send send every lunatic on the damn island waiting at, waiting out there like shrimp into boiling water. You heard them, boys. Get out there into the water. <laughs> one after another after, one after another after another. And it's... It, it's a logical point that kind of occurs to you right off the bat when you realize how the hell would you tell if you got the right shark? You all have no clue what in the world you're doing, do you? I mean, <laughs> if I were to if I were to parody this movie, I would almost have people coming back and having to patiently explain to them, "Sir, that's not a shark. As a matter of fact, that's a puppy." No, no, sir. That's that's not a shark either. That's a barracuda. Sir, that's, sir. 
Did you harpoon a tire? <laughs> no. Do you do any of you know what a shark looks like? But and then somehow they managed to come up with a non-ridiculous idea for a sequel. Well, I, well, I want to get to that in just a second. I actually have a question I want to ask you. But um, one of the stars of this movie is absolutely the soundtrack. Uh, John Williams' score. <laughs> and anyway, when, you, when you think about John Williams and you think about the, the Indiana Jones movies, you think about the Star Wars movies, you think about Superman, Can You Read My Mind? Can, you, you think about E.T. Um, but really, one of the things that that adds to the atmosphere of the movie, uh, one of the things that definitely gives you that sense of terror, and to this day, you know, it still uh, has latched itself onto the culture where even if you haven't seen the movie, you know that it, you know, that dun 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 dun, dun that's Jaws. You know, and what if, you know, if you hear dun 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 dun, something is going to eat you. Wherever you are, if you're in the forest, if you're on the moon, something is about to bite your head. Uh, and so, all the credit in the world to John Williams, who really is a musical genius in sort of in in uh, being able to create tone in a scene with music. Um, he he does an excellent job here with Jaws. You know, one of the things that I really that will really turn me off the movie most is a movie whose soundtrack has no earthly idea when to shut itself the sweet fuck up. And it just... The, the Fast and the Furious movies, I, I can see right off the bat, are quite easily the worst offenders of the bunch about this. It just... Absolutely non-stop. Just going and going and going and not even really creating mood. It's just kind of there because someone felt like, well, it has to have a soundtrack. It, it amounts to about the same ad- to about the same um, the same logic as was used to explain the necessity of bypasses to Arthur fucking Dent. But you have to build bypasses. You have to have a you have to have a score. You have to have music. Yeah, but it should be doing something. Otherwise, you could play just damn near anything over the scene and say, there, we have a soundtrack. This doesn't do that. This movie knows when to be quiet. It knows how to be... Williams knew how to be kind of sparing and judicious with the soundtrack and how to let it build the pacing and build into the mood of the scene and tap right into it so that the the two just kind of become one. Uh, not everybody is that great at that. Um, and that's why, uh, in particular, uh, John Williams and Howard Shore are two of my favorite film, two of my favorite film composers. It's because they have such a gift for that. And, again, yeah, he, he did it so well that it's been parodied and copied and emulated and deservedly praised for decades to come. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. So let me ask you a question, Sean. You're uh, you're the producer. 
uh, whatever film the studio this was. What studio was this anyway? Universal. Universal. Okay. That would make sense. You're 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 a producer. You're an executive at Universal, and you had this massive hit on your hands. And there's a, there's a question that must be asked, and that is, do we do another one? And on the one hand is your little angel that says, really, uh, how, why? You just, it was a movie about a shark eating people. In what way can you further this fucking story? Then there's the devil that says $400 million says we can find a way. Where do you land on that one? Do you go the angel or the devil? Well, I mean... <clears throat> The thing is, in a way, you can make a sequel make logical sense because you, I mean, but the question think is the necessary. Did, did Jaws really need a sequel? Is my question. Is my question. Well, that's 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 what I'm getting at. Pump your brakes, Marky Mark. Um, no, answer but, me now. Now, now, answer me. Answer me. Give me. You done? <laughs> I'm looking at Benjamin's cover art again, so yeah. Did you just call him Jeff Benjamin? I said I'm looking at Benjamin's cover art again, so yes, please continue. Oh, uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, the thing is, I mean, it makes sense, because you're talking about a movie that was set on, on an island uh, tourist destination. Um, it's not like when you take into consideration the entire Atlantic Ocean, anybody is reasonably going to go, well, that's it. We got the last shark ever, and we will never have to see another one ever again in all of the ocean ever. Uh, like, that's realistic. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you you took out the shark of the first movie. But, of course, again, what you've got is you have a main character who could reasonably be expected to be good and thoroughly traumatized by this whole affair. Um, despite the fact that after blowing a fucking great white shark up, I'm sure he, I'm sure his balls grew three sizes that day. <laughs> But you've also he's also a man that has to realize logically a big damn ocean. No way in hell we've seen the last shark seen the last shark. And so another one shows up and basically carries on an encore performance of the first movie and then all of a sudden you've got the idea of his two sons wanting to jump into the fray. Well, it's a decent enough sequel idea. I mean, I've certainly heard dumber ones, and God knows the next two movies would prove that they were capable of a whole lot worse. But as sequel ideas go, this wasn't really terrible, and it was maybe worth taking a gamble on. But the one problem is... Spielberg hates sequels. Correction. He hates sequels that do not involve the words Indiana or Jones. <laughs> Otherwise, totally against sequels. Um, 
So, you know, this is one where I can't really entirely fault them, especially since at this point, this kind of success was unprecedented. I mean, knowing what we know now about sequels, it's maybe a little more calculated sometimes when studios are... Okay, I'm going to stop that sentence right there because I can't believe it was about to come out of my mouth. No, you know (laughs) what? Nowadays, we have learned somewhere between jack and shit because we are now living in the era in which sequels are greenlit and practically already beginning pre-production before the first movie has even premiered. Hi, 20th Century Fox. Let's talk, shall we? (laughs) But at this time, given that this was really the first time a movie had experienced this kind of success, it was reasonable. It made sense to look at this and go, okay, yeah, we tidied everything up real neatly, but man, we would be foolish to not try again. Because we have a now we have a brand, basically. We have a recognizable movie that just shattered box office records and then tap danced on the little bitty pieces. Um, why the hell would we walk away from this ATM that's spinning out money at escape velocity in our faces? So hindsight being twenty twenty, best idea in the world. God, no. Far from it. But at the time, reasonable, somewhat defensible decision. Yeah, I'll give him that. Of all the boneheaded decisions that have ever been made in Hollywood, had there been a producer at the time who, if we lived in a different world, that said, no, 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 one man-eating shark movie was plenty, I I would have forgiven that. I, and I And I know that, you know, Years later, the fucking thing makes two hundred million dollars, and you know it's not regarded as the worst movie ever. You know, whatever else, and that's fine. But I watched Jaws. Here's the way I'm saying this: Jaws two, and we have about fifteen to twenty minutes left before we wrap for tonight. Um, kind of a short show, but there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with with with, with Jaws. It's sort of a continuation of a lot of the same themes from the first movie. Um, they're still trying to build up the island. Tourism still matters, and so everything is sort of done in the face of serving serving that master. They still don't completely trust Brody, and Brody ends up losing his job in this one. Um, like every other sequel that will come after it, it's you know more victims, more kills, more you know more shark, um, and you have you have a bigger action sequence at the very end of the movie. But it's essentially the same story. You know, shark murders. They they investigate. It gets covered up. Shark murders more. Gets to a a boiling point. Hero goes after shark. Only instead of, you know, as in the first movie where it was hero goes after shark to just straight up kill the thing, hero has to go save his children. Which is like, okay, you know, I understand that this was 1978, but you know, in 2015, that sounds like they went to the you know the sequel school of arts, you know, in picking plots. It's like, oh, this time it's about his family. All right. This and so time it's, not, it's personal. Yeah, this time it's personal. Um, 
and and it's not a fair assessment of a movie because I'm doing it from the standpoint of view of looking at it from 2015, like the movie just came out. Uh, on the yeah. other hand, it's it's hard for me to sort of separate myself and go back to 1978 and say, okay, well maybe at the time this was interesting and new enough that you can forgive it, but it's hard for me to do that now. So as I watched Jaws 2, and literally that, that that's the plot synopsis. I can't say anything more about it. Um, as, I, as I'm watching Jaws 2, I found myself getting bored. Like, you know, it's a lot of the same shit I already saw in the first movie. And I was into the first one, mm-hmm. and I was kind of done with it after the first one. I was like, all right, I have seen all I need to see here. Um, it it kind of reminds me of, of the of what happened with Paranormal Activity, where you had a very, very small production. You had a, you know, you had sort of a gimmick that they, that they were going after, and they executed the gimmick really well. They were really, I remember when we talked about it, really had no complaints about the first one, other than one of the characters was a douchebag. And, and then it was like, well, this thing was a huge hit. We got to do another one. Get bigger, more family members, bigger house. It's like, ah, I don't know, I have a headache. <laughs> you know? And while... And while the second one didn't bore me as such, I, I still was like, you know, by the end of it, I was like, all right, we've seen all this before. Either show me something new here, and I, I'm going to say this about any sequel. If you're going to do a continuation of a story, you have to do some new things. You can't just you mm-hmm. can't just rehash the first movie. Um, <clears throat> at least with the Die Hard movies, they changed the setting. In many cases, they changed the city. They, you know, they did some different stuff with it. As much as the Die Hard movies sort of follow a downward slope from the first one, they at least did mm-hmm. some different things in each movie to make them unique and distinctive. In the case of the last one, distinctively terrible, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, look on the bright side, though. At least this is a movie that it's impossible to prequel. <laughs> Don't say that because they'll get Pixar involved and they'll end up doing a whole thing about the Sharks family. Yeah, and what we'll Universal, learn. Don't you? Yeah, Universal. Don't you? Goddamn dare! Oh no, it's coming. You, I, I have now you, seen the you, future. <laughs> you put the pens down right now, and you get back to making more movies about Chris Pratt and Velociraptors. No, okay? no, no, it's. I see a prequel that deals with uh, that, that deals with a shark who's you know he's bigger than all the rest and he gets bullied by the mean sharks and they cast him out of society and that's what Brit- and they they cast him out and he goes on an adventure and he you know and he gets confidence in himself and he knows that he's the biggest shark and he comes back and he saves his community and he says okay you know that now he's a hero shark well go out hero shark and go into the world and that brings us to Jaws. Well, Mark, I'd like to thank you very much. Thanks to that little remark, it's no longer universal. We have to worry about the goddamn sci-fi channel. <laughs> oh, they're, they're plenty busy making more Sharknado versus Octopussy, or whatever the hell it's called. Would you stop giving them ideas? It's bad, it's bad enough that I have to listen to every friend. Have you watched Sharknado yet? Oh, it's such a good, funny, bad movie. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Making fun of a, making fun of Sharknado for being bad is like making fun of a turd for smelling bad. <laughs> it's just there, there's no point. I mean, I want to see if Joe's prequel. Is Joe being remade, by the way? 
Jaws remake. Jaws get remade. No, they never. I then I no, could swear I. Jaws, I could, re, yes. <laughs> Jaws remake in the works at Universal, April first, two thousand fifteen. Oh, uh, you see, <laughs> you see, you you put that you put that thing up the other day that said, oh, here's ninety eight movies with remakes in the works. I think in the works is a is a real clickbaity phrase. Uh, okay. In which, because, because I mean, well, it's it's kind of like Dana White when they ask somebody that's out here, they go, oh, he's in the mix, which, you know, it, it's just a flimsy enough, loose enough phrase that technically, I, I, again, the UFC example, um, somebody <clears throat> for whom he could say, okay, supposing that Tiago Silva goes once more on an armed rampage and wipes out every single other non-title fighter in the division, then, yeah, we consider him for a title. We consider him for a title oh. shot. That technically consider qualifies. This instead. Consider this wait, instead. Wait, wait, Thursday. Wait, wait, wait. Go ahead, finish. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Sorry, go ahead. Metro.co.uk, September 3rd, uh, sorry, yeah, September 3rd, 2015, 4 o'clock. Is Steven Spielberg planning a Jaws remake? Director Steven Spielberg is reportedly considering a remake of Jaws as he looks to partner up with Universal Studios. Spielberg is parting ways with Disney after the release of the BFG, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The site says that um, FF, he does move to Universal. If he does move to Universal, uh, he will be key on potential reboots of other Universal franchises such as Jaws and Back to the Future. Never mind. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Well, mo- most of the time, for most movies, I-, I would actually say that. Though I I firmly believe that the phrase "oh, it's in the works" means that somebody huffed some glue and that was the first idea that came to mind, <laughs> and you know somebody pitched the idea to Adam San- to Adam Sandler, who was maybe considering thinking thinking about it in between counting his grown-ups' money and just muttering half-fucking-suckers to himself. Um, I, I never take it as really meaning all that all that much, especially since a number of those, it, it struck me as, okay, it probably means somebody somewhere is actively trying to write a script, but they're probably go. but for a number of these, they will probably get legitimately laughed out of the room. If they actually try to propose them, because well, yeah, Hollywood, uh, Hollywood will make damn near anything. But I have faith because someone did stop just barely short of Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. <laughs> Look, I am notorious, as some of my online friends will 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 recount, of defending Hollywood. And their choices. Um, you know, I think the last compl- the, the last old man complaint that I got from um, Seahips to remain nameless was they're making a lethal weapon television show, but without any of the original cast members. And I said, Yeah, that's oh god, that's Hollywood now. That's what's happening. Okay, we, we, well, we, they're 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 not taking chances on new things. They don't last very long. No one watches them. Um, they're only going to take chances on things where they know they have a built-in audience. Lethal Weapon was popular at one once upon a time. But, See, but, but my problem, but uh, my problem with stuff like that is, 
I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so I'm always caught like defending Hollywood, even when I don't think something's a good idea, but I know where they're coming from. I know what they're doing it. And I just sort of, you know, I, as my wife would say, I lean back and I think of England, you know, I'm just like, all right, just do it to me. And, you know, I'll either see it or I won't. You know, we just, yesterday we, we reviewed Pan and one of the big complaints that Robert and I had about it was this was, it was sequel bait. They, 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 they yeah. shot and this movie for the sole purpose of creating a, an interconnected Peter Pan universe because fucking Marvel did it. And it was like, you know, executives far and wide, not understanding how it was working or why it was working was like, we got a copy. No. Now and now everything has to be interconnected cinematic universes because it, this shit most of the time makes money. Um, well, but, but, when, when, but when it comes to, when it comes to, but this is what I was getting up to. So as many times I defend this stuff because I know the economics behind it and I know the rationale behind it, I don't want to see a Jaws remake. I'm not even like a huge no. movie. <laughs> I just like, the, I, I, why? <laughs> Watch the original. It's fine. It stands up. Well, it has stood up since 1970, whatever the hell it came out. It's fine. Well, see, I, it I, would, I would kind of elaborate on that a little bit, in just in this much. When it comes to remakes, reboots, or expansions of some things, if the last couple of years have taught me anything, it's that you have to have an end game in mind for it. Um, th- that's the reason why some shows have worked. Fargo has worked so far because it might have seemed like an odd idea for a TV show, but God knows they came forward with an idea. They were able to go with it. They actually had something thought out, and now it's actually progressing pretty nicely. Same kind of deal with Hannibal. Um, they actually had an idea for a place they wanted to go with it. They weren't just doing it because Hannibal Lecter TV series. Uh, Bates Motel, same kind of deal. Um, and when it comes to movies, though, you have to not only have that in consideration, but you have to think about what am I bringing to this that it needs. good example of that is the Carrie remake or The Evil Dead. Carrie? God help me, it trumped Brian De Palma's first movie. It was that damn good. I really, can't, I really have a hard time finding negative things to say about it one of my favorite horror movies in the past few years. That was a great remake. Evil Dead, you'll find people who will say one way or the other what they thought of it. Me, personally, loved it. They took the original story, the original concept, the original idea, and took it in in an attempt to make it more legitimately scary, to treat it a little more seriously, and they did it with an actual budget that I'm positive that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell would have loved to have had when they made the first one. Um, You go to remake Jaws, though, for the time, a lot of the special effects were really pretty haphazard. They worked with what they had, and all things considered, it came across looking great. Um, Rushed production, troubled production, yeah, all things that maybe might have hurt the quality of the movie a little bit, but all things considered, it was a cinematic milestone that was made by one of 
movie making's all time greatest auteurs and a master at capture, capturing people's imaginations. Just what the hell do any of you think you're going to do to improve on it? Most of all, you, Spielberg. What do you think you're going to do that's going to be better than the first time you did it with this one? Well, I get it. I, you know, where everyone's going to have, instead of guns, they'll have radios in their hand, and when the shark dies at the end, they'll have, like, the rings of explosion. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, and it's become kind of another rule that I've had to accept of original versus remakes, and that is I have to remember making this movie is not going to pull some kind of Doctor Who miracle and all of a sudden erase the original from its timeline so that it never existed. It's not like it's going to result in some kind of paradox that there are two of them. It'll come out, it'll hit theaters, people will rave about it, I will respond with, um... And I will just go settle my ass in and just watch the original and enjoy that. It's what I have to do with everything I love that's getting a remake that I don't want to see. Um, Let me tell you where we're headed. Because it's not just going to be a Jaws remake. It's going to be a Jaws interconnected universe. They're going to connect Jaws to some other horror monster, some other, you know, whether it's all sea-based oh, creatures. Or or whatever. I guarantee you we're going to start, you know, if they do this, there'll be somebody sitting there like, okay, what can we connect Jaws to? What what can we put out oh, there? I know. They're <laughs> <laughs> making a universal monster. They're doing an interconnected, um, interconnected universal uh, monster movie thing, you know, with the mummy and Frankenstein. They're also doing interconnected... Uh, monsters with Godzilla and King Kong. So, so I don't, I don't know what you're thinking about. I guarantee you, it's on, it's on a bulletin somewhere. You know, Jaws and Go. Jaws, Jaws lives in the ocean. Do you know who else lives in the ocean? Cthulhu. <laughs> there you go. Rob, I wish I wish we had stayed live long enough for Robert Winfrey to have heard that because he came all over his computer. You goddamn get on this and you give me Jaws versus Cthulhu, you son of a bitch. <laughs> just just write a screenplay. I'm sure. Listen, you, you know you're, you're trying to make some money here. Go get, when we get off the show tonight. Just write Jaws, um, Jaws versus Cthulhu. Cause I'm oh, Ben. Just write the script. I'm sure someone. I'm sure Universal will buy it from you. Hey Ben, Saturday's day after tomorrow. Yes. Jaws right, versus so, Cthulhu, buddy. <laughs> eh? All right. So we've we, we've talked about Jaws too. Um, we've talked about sequels. It was was this even necessary? Was, was this trip even necessary? Um, do you have anything to say about the actual movie before we close out for the night? Because I don't. I'm, I've said all I need to say about Jaws. Oh, do I have anything to say about the, the first two movies? Um, the, no, the second movie. Second, keeping with the second movie. The second movie? Uh, no, I mean, it's, 
it's one of the least offensive blockbuster sequels ever made. And like I said, God knows Universal and all their infamous dearth of ever knowing when to stop uh, would do far, far worse. I mean, you got to keep in mind these are the people who damn near killed the Fast and Furious franchise, among others. But second highest grossing movie of this it, year. <laughs> um, hey, Jurassic World was awesome. I love that. Um, but I mean, when it comes to it being necessarily an offensively bad sequel. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out of my way to seek it out. That's for damn sure. But I mean, it's maybe worth a look if you have absolutely nothing else to watch. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's, ba- it's basically children of a lesser Jaws. That's that's about that's about all it really is, and that's all it's really regarded as is just being, you know. Very, very mediocre, very mediocre, and kind of enjoyable, but it's just a movie you've seen before. All right, uh, we'll be back in two weeks then for the, the Jaws in 3D. Popcorn popping in 3D. Dude, every time I do that, I have to do the the Swedish chef throwing popcorn at the screen motion. No one can do it, but I have to do it anyway. 3D. <laughs> Um, so yes, the Jaws in 3D and then Jaws of Revenge will be uh, everything that we've said before, only I'll be laughing a lot more. Um, in between that, uh, Robert Winfrey and Jason Teasley are reviewing Crimson Peak, Crimson Tide, Crimson Mask, something. Um, Crimson Peak. We'll be reviewing Crimson Peak on Wednesday, and then uh, Robert Winfrey, Robert Cooper, and I will be reviewing uh, Thrall Sunblatt 2, The Wanderer. Um, the week after that, uh, Robert Winfrey and I will be reviewing Gem and the Holograms and Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard this. Um, people who, who've heard that do our reviews have already heard it, but um, uh, he's going to go see The Ghost Dimension. I'm going to go see Gem and the Holograms, and we're going to compare notes. Um, so that'll be fun. And then, uh, we'll be back here to look at, uh, Jaws 3 and Jaws 4. Um, already in the archive, we have reviews of Penn, we have reviews of Hotel Transylvania, and, uh, our two-part look at Highlander. Sean and I wrapped up Highlander two, uh, about two or three weeks ago, so go ahead and check that out. Also, our review of Clutch Psychic Warfare is in the archives. And if you head on down to the Casual Heroes, we actually did a WrestleCast. That didn't end with us saying we'll never record with one another ever again. It was actually a very good episode. Wow. So impressive. Fancy that. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So, uh, Sean, you want to uh, plug anything real quick? Oh, yeah, just a couple real quick things. Uh, You can find me on Facebook. If you search for Sean Comer, chances are you will find three different Facebook accounts. Don't ask, long story. Um, If you want to stop by and have a little chat with me, uh, right now you want to look for the account with the Phoenix Coyote, I'm sorry, Arizona. Always going to be the Phoenix Coyotes to me, damn it. The Arizona Coyotes logo where appropriately lately you will 
probably be bombarded with me talking nonstop about lots of various and sundry news items up on my feed, sharing photos of my favorite cosplayers, and talking a lot about, right now, combinations of Arrow and hockey. Because um, right now, my Coyotes are out to out to a 3-0 start to the season. Uh, Baseball-wise, my Royals are in the ALCS and hopefully getting ready to stomp a mud hole in the Blue Jays. And, yeah, I'm currently watching the early, re-watching the early part of the second season of Arrow so I can get to three and be ready when season four eventually hits Netflix. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can tweet me at CanvasContent. I'm going to be on there a lot more in the very near future. Um, I am going to be back on source material in the very near future uh, because I believe we were talking about, I think, I think it was either later this year or early next year. Um, myself, Jesse Starcher, and Ben Cologne are going to be back to talk about Batman Dark Victory after our wonderful two-part podcast podcast talking about its predecessor, Batman the Long Halloween. Um, Jason Teasley has recruited me sometime in, I believe, January or February uh, to join him, Jesse, uh, Screaming Boy Ronnie from Screaming Boy Productions, and himself to talk about my favorite Batman comic story of all time, Hush. And last but not least, in February, keep an eye out for my brand new podcast coming to the Rodelichin Broadcasting Net- Network. Uh, it stars myself and my longtime best friend, Jeremy Holtzoff and Ann Alberti. It is a catch-all geek news show of all the news, rantings, ramblings, and information that that we're too lazy to print and decide to instead just eat up an hour or two talking about. It is called The Power of Three, and it will be debuting in mid-February. Oh, last, last thing. If you want to read some more of my wit and witticisms, go over to UniqueHunters.com, where I write a lot of their product descriptions, uh, a, lot of their news, a lot of their news items. It's a great shopping affiliate site. You will find all kinds of weird, kitschy, geeky gadgets and tech, tributes to all your favorite all your favorite fandoms at some point or some point or another. If you've been listening to the show for a while, I'm sure you can probably read the descriptions and probably have a pretty good idea after a while just which ones I've written. So, otherwise, that's all. Thank you for joining for joining us. And before Mark signs off, let me just say, never dull your colors for someone else's canvas. All right. Be well. Be safe. Behave. We'll see you in two weeks.